Listener Production. Your Morning Agenda with Natasha Belling. Good morning. Thanks for your company. Let's check what's making headlines this Friday, the 26th of February. In breaking news this morning, Australia's 13 million Facebook users are waking up to news in their feeds again after the social media giant lifted its ban. The news pages were back up early this morning, eight days after they were shut down. It follows a breakthrough in negotiations with Treasurer Josh Frydenberg over the government's controversial media bargaining code. An investigation has found the company behind a vaccine bungle in Queensland gave false information to the federal government. Two elderly patients at a nursing home were given the wrong doses of the Pfizer vaccine, with a doctor administering four times the recommended dose. The CEO of Healthcare Australia has been stood down, with the company accused of misleading the government about whether the doctor had undergone the required training. Deputy Chief Medical Officer Professor Michael Kidd says the company is clearly at fault. A mistake was made, a human error and a serious error. And of course, we need to learn from these mistakes if they occur. This error should not have happened and we apologise to the residents and their families and the carers at the facility for the distress that this has caused. The border wars continue between New South Wales and Queensland. New South Wales has slapped the Sunshine State with a $30 million hotel quarantine bill to cover the cost of their residents staying in Sydney. But Queensland's Deputy Premier Stephen Miles has filmed himself ripping up the tax invoice, saying the state will not pay, while the federal government refuses to endorse a plan for a national quarantine centre. Meantime, New South Wales Treasurer Dominic Perrottet says if Queensland refuses to pay, there is an easy choice. Just say to the people of New South Wales, when holidaying next, you know, Hobart's looking pretty good, uh, even Adelaide. So um, go for your lives. Airline bosses say international travel could be back before the end of this year. It comes as the aviation industry continues to take a massive financial hit from the COVID pandemic. Yesterday, Qantas posting a $1 billion six-month loss. The flying kangaroo expects we could start travelling overseas again by the end of October. Flight Centre CEO Graham Turner has told Nine we're going to have to learn to live with the virus. By October, November, we should have pretty well unrestricted travel to most countries. Now, there may be some testing necessary that you don't have COVID, that you will have to be vaccinated. Tiger Woods is not expected to face any charges in relation to his horror car crash in LA this week, with police ruling it as an accident. The 45-year-old golfing superstar was driving along a stretch of road in California when he suddenly lost control and rolled down an embankment, flipping several times. Police have confirmed Tiger was not tested for drugs or alcohol because they say there was no evidence he was under the influence. He's the L.A. County Sheriff. We don't contemplate any charges whatsoever in this crash. This remains an accident. Accident is not a crime. They do happen, unfortunately. Woods had extensive surgery on his right leg and ankle after the accident that involved inserting a rod, screws and pins. And Lady Gaga is offering a reward of more than half a million dollars after her dog walker was shot and two of her French bulldogs stolen in a frightening armed robbery in Hollywood. The male dog walker tried to fight off the offenders before being shot in the chest, the two men then running off with two of the dogs. 
A third managed to escape and was later found. It's not known as yet if it was a random attack or whether Lady Gaga's French bulldogs that can cost thousands of dollars were targeted. Now for a look at what else is making news around the country this Friday morning. And firstly to Queensland. Police are investigating the gruesome murder of an elderly woman on the Gold Coast while her husband is in hospital under police guard. Our reporter Rod McLeod has the latest. Thanks, Tash. Police were alerted when a person went to an elderly couple's home at Varsity Lakes yesterday afternoon and they became concerned that something was very wrong. What confronted police was a particularly gruesome scene. The body of 82-year-old Robin Beaver was discovered inside the house with numerous wounds to her body and axe was discovered nearby. Her 82-year-old husband Max was also inside the home. He was taken to Gold Coast University Hospital to be treated for a suspected drug overdose. He remains under police guard there. Police are treating Mrs Beaver's death as suspicious but don't believe a third party was involved. Detectives will also be questioning Mr Beaver about the circumstances leading up to his wife's death when he is fit to do so. The couple had lived in their home for almost 20 years with no incidents of any domestic violence. In fact, neighbours had described the couple as very friendly and would always say hello. To Victoria now and more COVID restrictions are set to be eased tonight with Premier Daniel Andrews expected to make an announcement later today. While in New South Wales, coronavirus rules are also being relaxed, Siobhan Caulfield is in Sydney with the details. Well, talk about a feel-good Friday, Tash. Anyone planning a party or family get-together in Sydney this weekend can extend that invite list with up to 50 people now allowed to visit a home. COVID restrictions are easing as our state continues its solid COVID-free streak. We're heading towards our 40th day straight without a new locally acquired case. Not only can we invite more people over, but there's also great news for anyone tying the knot with up to 30 people allowed to hit the dance floor at a wedding. Also a boost for gym owners. Up to 50 people can take part in a class as life eases back into a new COVID normal. What's more, Tash, if our good run continues, we'll be allowed to mingle at the pub again with drinking while standing allowed from March 17. Meantime, dancing is also back in South Australia this weekend with the state's restrictions also easing. Our reporter Sean Maynard is in Adelaide with more. It's been a long time coming, but finally some relief for the state's pubs, clubs and even the Fringe Festival. Authorities have eased drinking and dancing restrictions which prevented patrons from having a boogie. The ban impacted dozens of venues and events for many months because of the risk of super spreading. But uh, opposition was growing in recent days after security guards were forced to break up a group who were dancing at a fringe event in the parklands. The rules mean venues can have dance floors of up to 50 people at a time as long as uh, social distancing measures of one person per two square metres are maintained. Uh, Chief Health Officer Nicholas Spurrier says he comes with a reminder. You can only go out if you have not got any COVID symptoms so remember people uh, if you do have any symptoms at all any respiratory symptoms you do need to stay away from others and go and get a COVID test. Now also relaxed the border restrictions on travel from Greater Melbourne to South Australia as of a minute past midnight. And the WA opposition leader has made a stunning admission just weeks out from the state election. Zach Kirkup doubts he can win the March 13 poll and he'd rather focus on saving seats than hoping for a win. Our Perth reporter Adam Hemmings has more. 
Tash, Mr. Kirkup has effectively raised the white flag just over two weeks before we cast our vote. A recent news poll found there could be a major swing towards Labor and that the Liberals were at risk of being reduced to a single digit in terms of seat numbers in Parliament. On last night's leaders' debate, Mr. Kirkup found he's still in the fight with his focus on stopping Labor having too much control. And I want to make sure that every promise that the Labor Party makes, every commitment to the people of Western Australia, that they continue to let the people down on, that there is a party there who's fighting on behalf of Western Australians. Some supporters have praised his honesty, others have slammed him for giving up and not fighting hard enough. Mark McGowan says it raises questions about voting for the Liberals. If the Liberal Party don't believe in themselves, why should anyone else? (laughs) Some Labor members believe Mr Kirkup is trying to win sympathy votes. For the latest in business and finance news this morning, we're joined by Effie Zahos, editor-at-large at CanStar. Effie, good morning. Both Afterpay and Zip delivered some extraordinary growth results yesterday. It's just, of course, as this new code is set to come out on Monday to crack down on the industry. Are the expected changes going to be good news for consumers? Oh, good morning. Yeah, it's a bit of yes and no with that. Yeah, look, wasn't it amazing that they Afterpay and Zipco both actually recorded like record revenues and transactions in the first half. Um, but having said that, they did report losses. I mean, after Afterpay reported a loss of uh, $79.2 million. It was primarily driven by non-cash losses. And Zippay also made a loss, which it said included a number of non-recurring items. But as you said, the timing is kind of perfect because on Monday, a new code of conduct for buy now, pay later operators comes into effect. And uh, basically, it's an effort to kind of crack down on this booming industry. The code's actually a response by the providers themselves to a, um, a Senate inquiry two years ago. This is how long this has taken for them to self-regulate and improve the safeguards for consumers. And it was drafted under the guidance of the Australian Finance Industry Association. Okay, so what can we expect as consumers on Monday? Well, there will be credit checks for all purchases over 2000 or more now. I guess it's important for me to say, Tash, that some of them are doing this already, but this will now be the standard that they've all got to adhere to. No products to minors. You wouldn't think you'd need a code for that, but there is that in the code. Um, they're saying a first payment up front is required, but it's not mandatory. You cannot have additional purchases if you're in arrears. Late fees will be capped, but they're going to be different amounts depending on the provider. And they will publicly name and shame those providers that do breach these codes. Okay, so that's on the one side. On the other side, consumer groups have shot this down and said, hang on, this is still credit. It should be still regulated like other credit providers. And the big problem is, is that you can still have multiple accounts of these going um, because as they point out, uh, the, the code doesn't limit this. So the providers don't have to make sure you're not behind or in arrears with another uh, provider, only the one that you're with. Yeah, it's really interesting because then there's the talk also that these guys are set to take on the major banks. So I guess we've got to make sure that consumers win. Well, look, either which way, Tasha, they're here to stay. They're not going anywhere. I think it's a consumer now needs to really make sure that, hey, these are loans. They're interest-free. They're loans. If they're tempting you to spend more than you would, then take a you know a step back and, and look at how you can approach this. And also making news in the business and finance world today, Effie, latest data from the ABS shows that gender pay gap, it actually has started to shrink during COVID. That's great news. But men mm. still earn more than women. 
Yes, yes. Look, using this latest data from the Australian Bureau of Statistics, the Workplace Gender and Equality Agency came out late last night and saying that the uh, the national gender pay gap has decreased to 13.4% for full-time employees. Now, that's a drop of 0.6% over the last six months. So in dollar terms, what does that mean? It still means a difference of $242.20 per week that men take home more than women. Now, it's understood that this drop is due partly to the increase in the number of men who have taken on lower paid full-time employment during COVID. And so this is why the, the Workplace Gender Equality Agency says, well, okay, this is good news now, but when things settle again post-COVID, they expect that gap to widen. So if you're interested, right now, men earn on average $1,804 a week compared to women on $1,562 a week. And of course, as we know, look, this gap just goes through all other areas of women's financial wellness. And super is a big one. I'll give you a quick number. When you look at what, say, ASFA throws out as to how much one should have in their super fund right now for a comfortable retirement versus what, how much do we actually have? I'll give you an example for a 45-year-old woman, say. ASFA says you need to have 195000 in your super fund right now if you are a 45-year-old woman. The reality is men have 144000 so there's still a gap there for them, but women only have 105000 so look, you can play around these numbers yourself. There's a great little calculator called superdetective.com.au. But um, look, it just goes to show that uh, it has an impact all round and there's a lot of catch up that unfortunately women have to do when it comes to their financial wellness. And especially if they're doing part-time work as well, that has an impact on long-term super. Mm, absolutely. And, and and when you look at the industries that were mostly hit during COVID, it was the industries that women were employed in, and mostly looking at hospitality, entertainment. I mean, healthcare is an exception that did really well. Um, but it, it does have an impact and, and uh, it impacts not just the individual, but the economy as a whole. Thank you so much as always, Effie. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you. Time for Sport Now with Brett Thomas. And Brett, happy Friday. The Sydney Olympic venues could be used as the cut price Brisbane Games in 2032. Yes, good morning, uh, Tash. That's what we're calling it, the cut price Brisbane Games, because for the IOC, this is all about delivering as close to a cost-neutral event as they can possibly get. Now, the original document that uh, uh, the the Brisbane Olympic um, officials submitted to the IOC they they were looking or asking for seven new facilities to be built uh, in Brisbane, including a new uh, 50,000-seat uh, capacity stadium in Albion, just uh, north of the river there in Brisbane for athletics. The IOC came back and said uh, we would prefer to use the Gabba or Suncorp and, and redevelop that and other existing sites uh, on the Gold Coast. And then with rowing and, and kayaking and some of the water sports, they're keen to use um, venues that were used during the Sydney uh, Olympics so they could be brought back. We're kind of talking as if that uh, this is definitely going to happen. Of course, it's not across the line just yet that Brisbane will get the 2032 games. But I guess we've seen what happened in Athens and, and Rio as well, where billions of taxpayers' money is being spent on building these stadiums that end up basically in ruins. So because Brisbane, obviously hosting the Commonwealth Games a couple of years ago, has that existing infrastructure... Um, they're saying now that perhaps just two uh, new stadiums w- would guarantee to be built. That's for basketball and gymnastics. But everything else at the moment, the IOC is um, more keen that rather than spending millions and billions of dollars uh, to just use uh, existing um, stadiums that exist across Queensland and some in New South Wales. I think it sounds like a good idea. Love a bargain, Brett. Also making news in the sporting world today, what's happening in the AFL and NRL? It's already back to work season, isn't it? 
Yeah, absolutely. We've got uh, practice matches across the weekend. Of course, the NRL only a couple of weeks from getting their home and away season started and the AFL about a month away as well. The Broncos playing tomorrow night against the Cowboys. This is Alex Glenn's testimonial match. Now, they're close to full strength, but they've got a, a couple of key players that will be missing. That's uh, Anthony Milford and Herbie Farnworth. I just listened to Kitty Walters, who was on the rush hour in Brisbane last night, said both will be fit for round one when they play the Eels at the Tigers. Jock Madden is an Australian schoolboys champ. He'll be given a chance at 5'8", with Adam Dewey suspended for round one. At the Raiders, their co-captain, uh, Josh Hodson, has uh, had two knee reconstructions. He'll be back against at Manly, so we wish him all the best. In the AFL, Paddy Dow is a player, Tash, who's really frustrated Carlton fans over the years. He's a high draft pick that hasn't really developed into the midfield that they were hoping for. Greg Williams, uh, an AFL legend at Carlton, a two-time Brownlow medalist, been working really closely with him, and he starred yesterday yesterday against the Bombers at, uh, at Princess Park. Harry Mackay came off with an ankle injury, but uh, we saw him walking along the boundary after the game. So hopefully that's a good sign. Saints and Kangaroos played yesterday. Geez, North Melbourne's got a, a lot of work to do under their new coach, David Noble. Lost by 16 goals. A player that they cut in the off-season, they let 12 players go. It was a lot of upheaval at, uh, at North Melbourne. Mason Wood kicked four goals against him yesterday in the red-white and black, and Jack Higgins and Brad Crouch. Another two of the Saints recruits were uh, were also very impressive uh, for them. So those are some of the headlines to come out of the pre-season matches that have happened in the AFL and what's to come in the NRL this weekend. Big season ahead this year. Australia faces an uphill battle to keep the T20 series alive against New Zealand, Brett. Yeah, we have to win all three now, so we're 2-0 down in that series. It was a thriller in Dunedin yesterday, high-scoring game with those short boundaries, and Martin Guptill made the most of that uh, with 97. He set the platform. 219 uh, was uh, was their inning, so we had to chase down 220. Aaron Finch out for 12. So, again, his high score in his last 11 innings now is uh, 18. So his struggles continue. Marcus Stoinis was great, though, with uh, the ball, the bat, and in the field. He's the star of our short-form teams at the moment. And uh, he made 78, so we got really close. We fell just short of, of that target by full run. So, cracking game. But uh, as you said, uphill battle now to keep that series alive uh, on Saturday. Happy Friday and have a lovely weekend. Thanks, Brett. Thanks, Tash. Checking the weather details now around the country as we head into the weekend. Brisbane, partly cloudy, a top of 32. Partly cloudy conditions also on the way for Sydney today, 26. Partly cloudy and a cool day for Melbourne today, 19, the expected top. 27 and sunny today for Canberra. Shower or two on the way for Hobart, 20 degrees. Partly cloudy and a lovely day of 24 degrees for Adelaide. Mostly sunny and a top of 32 for Perth. And 32 degrees also on the way for Darwin with a shower or two. How's this for a feel-good story for your Friday? Inspirational woman Hayley Arkano is about to go from cancer survivor to astronaut. The 29-year-old will become the youngest American to fly to space later this year after she was selected to travel on the world's first all-civilian mission, the SpaceX Dragon. Hayley beat bone cancer when she was aged just 10 and now works at St Jude's Children's Hospital in Tennessee, where she was originally treated as a patient. She's told the Today Show in the US she hopes she will inspire young patients battling cancer, proving that not even the sky is the limit. Knowing that it would inspire my patients that I get to work with, who are the bravest kids I have ever met. And, uh, And not only my own patients, but cancer patients and cancer survivors everywhere to show them 
what survivorship can look like and what is possible. And I'm incredibly honoured to represent these kids in this seat. Well done, Haley, and we wish her all the best. And that's all you need to know to start your day with your morning agenda. In your podcast feed from 6.30am every weekday morning, you can also catch the latest episode and a whole new world of audio by downloading the new Listener app for free. I'm Natasha Belling. Thanks so much for your company. Have a great day and we'll see you on Monday. Listener.